Hey everyone, my name's Michael. And I'm Crystal. And this is Surviving Higher Ed. We're two former higher ed professionals turned expatriates. Surviving Higher Ed is your go-to podcast to discuss surviving within higher education or learning ways to transition out. We want to create a space for you to feel seen and heard and maybe even learn a few things along the way. Now, let's dive in. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today. Hey everyone. How are you doing today, Michael? I am doing good. I know many of us have probably been tripped up by this. Uh, is it spring forward? I always yes. forget. Spring but, forward. Yep. She threw me for a doozy. And every day <laughs> has been feeling like the next day. So today yes. feels like Saturday. We're recording on a Friday evening, but definitely feels like big Saturday energy. Yes. But otherwise, I have more plant news to share. We love it. I know we we are (laughs) uh, plant parents aside from our professional jobs. My fiddly fig has two new leaves growing. Yay! Like I've said, the fiddly fig girlies are very hard to manage because they're picky and temperamental. I have two new leaves and I swear by a humidifier. And after seeing your beautiful plants that you've sent me, it um, probably like instilled me with like the energy to like disperse to my plants. <laughs> I see your plants thriving. So I think they caught on to that and they felt that. But I did come to the realization that I do need to get rid of some plants this weekend. Why? They're just not, they're just not, they're just not doing good and it's not worth their suffering, I believe. So oh no, which I ones are you I, getting rid of? I really, I really think I have to just I have to get rid of my prayer, my prayer plant. I think you just got one. I said. did just get a prayer plant. Yeah. yeah, I just, I tried. She's growing weird. If I were to replant it, like you you all can't see me, but there is at least like probably like six or eight inches where there's like no growth. It's just stem. And then oh. there's these leaves all of a sudden. So why don't you propagate? I've tried propagating it. I, I just, I've learned that that's just not, that's not the plant for me. Okay. Just like the neon pothos <laughs> is not a plant for me. Oh, um, that's my girl. This plant is not for me and I will never get it again. If you choose to get one, they like humidity, more power to you. Don't put them too close to the sun. Her leaves are curling and I just, I can't do it anymore. It's not worth the emotional trauma, <laughs> but the fiddly fig growth literally trumps all that because like I said, they're super picky. So I'm hoping this weekend to get more matching pots so that they all nice. match now. Because now that she's older, like, and almost in her thirties, like you need, I mean, for me, I need to start matching. And I know you like to find like your mid-century modern themed planters. Yes. So like, that's your theme. I have mixed match colors that do not reflect a certain era <laughs> or a certain style. So I just need to find some that all match. And honestly, if you are a plant, if you are a plant parent, Ikea has great planners. They don't have drainage holes, but if you are resourceful and you just stick your plant straight from the, I don't know what you want to call them, like their original the nursery pot, the nursery pot. If you just stick it in there, just make sure it's a little bit bigger. You'll be fine. So that has that, that's how my week has been going plant wise. <laughs> I got to reconnect with a childhood, um, like a high school friend. We've always stayed in contact, but like, I haven't seen each other in a while, like since last year, like last June. Oh, wow. And so it's just like nice where like you see each other and like you see how far you all have come and like 
you all are like we're adults now like we're not like obviously we're not in high school anymore but like that's that's how we remember each other yeah just weird we all have lives and like jobs (laughs) we're we're married some of us are almost married and it's just really like weird but also like kind of like brings me joy to see that like oh like we're just we're doing our oh yeah it's like reflection right because it's like it kind of we live our lives day to day and it's not often that we take time to kind of reflect where we've been and how we've grown in like a healthy way right like the idea of like wow I was once a kid in high school and studying for tests and doing these things and like so like weird social and awkwardness but like wow look at me now like look what I'm doing and look what I've been through for since then and like so no we love we love reflection and I think it's it's, sounds like a great opportunity it's been cool yeah and like we've always been stayed good friends so it's been really cool and people have like transitioning now like back to like higher ed people have been sending me job descriptions still (laughs) and (laughs) I've just gotten some really shitty ones (laughs) and somebody somebody come like shitty as in like pay or just like like there was one where I was like oh it's looking good and then I saw the pay and I was like nope because somebody asked me like do you have any examples of good job descriptions in higher ed and I was like well I'll let you know if I find one so by the time this episode comes out, if you stumble upon a good job description, please feel free to hit us up on Instagram at the surviving higher ed Instagram or my personal Instagram. If you find it, I'll let you go on a scavenger hunt. Um, if you come across a good one, send it because I have not. But that's been fun because people actually like resonate and people yeah. are like, especially people who are like job searching, like for the first time after grad school or like while they're almost like they're towards the end of their grad program. And like, they didn't know any better until I told them like, oh, this is a little low. So I have yet to find one that pays a good living wage where you can save money for a house, pay off your student debts and live your life. Um, Assuming you have like either of those, or if you're trying to save towards a bigger goal, or if you don't have student debt, more power to you. Um, So that's kind of what I've been going through still because people enjoy it. And it's one of those, like, it's one of those things where it's like, a big fu kind of like <laughs> an fu to the profession but also like a, a wake-up call to people like and i understand that like different numbers mean different things to people when it comes to salary and like sure. number might be a lot to someone but let me tell you if you got a master's degree at minimum or a doctorate and these jobs are paying what they're paying like you don't deserve that and yeah. even if you're a bachelor's degree uh if, if you hold a bachelor's degree and have years of experience those jobs still are not paying your worth so yeah I'm just continuing to educate the masses. Sometimes just sharing information, right? I think like yeah. that's what that's because that's what you're doing. That's what we're doing here. Yeah. It's that we're right getting information from people, sharing our experiences, and it yeah. comes back to just making informed decisions. And I know that you and I have talked about like just in our own ways, not feeling informed when we approach. Like we got like I didn't feel informed when I got my first job. Yet alone, obviously, started my first job in higher ed. Yeah. So I think really kind of just the more, you know, uh, yeah. higher ed edition is kind of like yeah. what, what we're doing here. <laughs> that's, in that this, that's literally what it is. Like the rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, yeah. <laughs> people can't see me. That's what I was doing. I was like waving my hand. Like the more, you know, <laughs> if you know that meme, then you might have aged yourself just a little yeah, bit. If you, if you know and that, if you don't know it, take then... your Tylenol and put on some eye cream. <laughs> oh my God. I use eye patches for the first time yesterday like a yo-ho yo-ho kind of or oh, like a under no. eye under eye patch okay 
Yeah, I used that for the first time yesterday. Sorry for like for the vagueness. Yeah. So if you don't know what that meme is, we know how young you are. Right. And if you right. know what it is, we know how old you are minimum. Did you put your eye patch in the fridge? No, I just like it's been sitting on my counter in my bathroom. Oh, please I, put it in the fridge. Next time. Okay. I will yes. next time. Cause then it's like it's oh my god, it's ten times better because you I feel, feel like, like that's nice what people coolness. do. Yes. Yeah, it's like, that's what I started doing. I started putting, like, some of them in the fridge, like, whenever mm-hmm. I get around to that. But, like, it, oh, and it's just so nice and just so, uh, like, that sounds relaxing. Like, like, putting like, it. You it. could feel it, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is your sign for any of you guys. Put some eye patch. Get some. First, go treat yourself. Yes. Buy some under eye patches. Put it in the fridge. And then just put them on. Don't even, whatever you're doing, just, just put them on and enjoy yourself. Like we, yeah, watch a movie. We are giving you like, permission. Yeah. Indulge in your favorite beverage. But yeah. So yeah. I had a good week. I've had like, sounds I'm, like I've it. had great weeks. Like, I mean, not that like, I don't know. I got in a fight with PowerPoint the other day. That was like my low, but <laughs> we don't have to, we don't have to dwell on that. I lost, I lost years of my life oh my fighting goodness. with formatting. But anyways, how have you <laughs> been? How's your week been? Tell me what's good. Good. <laughs> been good I think like same as you I feel like I've been reeling from the time I like it makes me have like an existential crisis of like what what is time and what's how how does time exist and how are we in March and how are we this year and I also don't remember it I don't remember it being this bad like like no I, no I feel like I thought I was doing good because I wasn't so like hyper aware of it going into yeah, it like I wasn't yeah. like oh I'm waiting for the time change waiting for the time change yep. like I kind of forgot about it but then mm-hmm. it was like the next day and the day after I just was like shit like yeah ha- having a hard time with trying to feel like I was catching up although yeah. I I know like I like the amount of time of the day I do yes. like ending my work day when it's still light out. I like yes. that. But we're I, recording. Yeah, I hate the adjustment. I can see the sun. While yeah, we're it's like it's so nice. Um, Absolutely. So that's good. Found aphids on my Monstera. So I'm a little bit bummed about that. I have to um, treat it because the last uh, time wait, I had can you, aphids. Can you give us a little, can you give us a little like background on what that is real quick? Yeah. So I know. I feel like this is like borderline like a plan. I read podcast. <laughs> Which I like love and I hopefully people, other people like it. But aphids are like a small kind of um of a pest that can infest your plants. And then they they are notorious for infesting really large leaf plants. So like sometimes like a fiddle leaf, but especially are they like, like the little like they look like little white dots? Yeah, they're like little white dots. Like uh, so if you you could think that they're like dust or like something else, but like uh, if you look carefully, if you wipe your finger over one, they're usually it's like aphids and and uh, and so I noticed that the other day when I was cleaning my, um, you usually could prevent them by like cleaning your leaves and doing the showers and trying to, but sometimes they still just, cause um, that's why it's always important. Like, I think we mentioned it a couple episodes ago, like yeah. to quarantine your plants yes. because sometimes this stuff can be in like the, in the soil from the nursery yes. pot or other things like that. And you don't want, yep. you don't want it to um, pass to any of your current plants. So this the monstera, yeah, I noticed it when I was watering it and cleaning its leaves. Um, just the other day, I saw like the little white things, and I've been checking for them, and I saw them, and I was like, "Damn it!" Because I lost my last monstera to them. Oh my because, gosh! Yeah, just took over. Yeah, because well, what they do is even though I cleaned it and I treated it with neem oil, which is yeah. a good. Oh my god, I hate the smell. Oh, though. the neem I'm... oil is horrible. Nobody tells you about the smell. 
Um, Trigger warning. Yeah. Oil is just. Yeah. It's, I, it's I'm covering my nose. because Do it. Yeah. You have to like do it outside or something. Cause it, it stank. But oh. um, I, so now I have to do that because I did it to the last one, but I think just the infestation was like so bad that it just never really regained its new growth. Yeah. So I'm trying to now I'm going to take it outside and do that. So like, I'm just kind of exhausted that I have to do like this extra step for like these stupid bugs. I don't like that. So I'm being a little a, bit bummed. Being a plant parent is exhausting. Yes. Right. That's why we said they're like, they're, they're our, our pets are our children and, and our plants are our pets. So, mm-hmm. um, Preach. but yeah, so that I'm a little bit bummed about that, but I then made myself feel better and I got some more vintage plants which I like I showed you I sent you I know I wish everybody could see how they look because the colors are so cool like crystal smart because she gets plant planters not sure this was intentional if you just like the design and colors but a plant a planter that has a drip tray Uh uh-huh yep I tried drip tray I tried to match it with the built-in drip tray when possible um and then I I and then like kind of what you were saying Michael like I have like a theme and a pattern and then like a color palette so a lot yeah. of my which maybe by the time like when the episodes air we can like pair it with like an Instagram post of pictures of things that we are referencing we're gonna have to probably I feel like so I'll have to like for this one we'll have to post a picture of like my monstera with its yep. stupid aphids and then yep. like <laughs> and, then my, and then my thing and then your poor prayer plant and stuff oh, like gosh. that oh gosh let me just take a, a picture of then yeah like this is what, so people could get the full experience of knowing what we're talking about but That's yes fair. I'm excited for my my new planters to come because they I feel like they add an extra personality to my plants when yes. I have like the bright colors of like orange and red yes. and green um, and yellow. I love how your planters have not only a color theme, but I think they also have, from what I can see, a um, like a like a texture, textural theme too. Yes, I'm very yep. much into vintage glazed ceramics. It's a really um, <laughs> beautiful collection. Love it. Of, of things that are beautiful and have history. But... Our plant journey continues and <laughs> our care for plants continues and continues to um, go up and down. <laughs> but we have our next story submission to discuss. Yes, it's yes. a good one. And yes. we've, we've talked about the situation for quite some time prior even to this podcast. So dear Michael and Crystal, hello. I got my higher ed student affairs degree in 2014 while working at a large public land grant institution. I loved working in the areas of support, such as women's centers, LGBTQ, religion, faith development, racial identity development, and diversity-focused centers. After a year of job searching for a student affairs job that paid over $45,000 in the state of California, yes, it was really hard to find a job that paid people with a master's degree more than $45,000. This was back in 2014. Wow. I landed a dream job of mine working in a diversity center. I worked at a small private school for five years, making $65,000. Knowing I couldn't grow in that role and there was no future position in sight that I could grow into in higher ed that didn't require obtaining another degree. Pandemic times and feeling overutilized in my role and underrespected led me to start my own diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting business, which has helped me heal from my past experiences in higher ed. Oh, wow. we like healing. We, but... we love healing. For the sake of this story, we'll name this person Jan. 
Jan. Oh, Jan. Okay, Jan. We like Jan. I like Jan. Yes, I loved Jan's story because although I got my degree at a different time, um, I still resonate with this idea of chasing the money. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's part, like, a large part of what I saw in higher ed a little bit, right? I felt like it was this idea that you had to kind of leave your position. Like it, it felt different from like yeah. tra- traditional models of corporate that I felt like either I grew up with or was informed either way. Oh, like, okay. right, this idea of like, oh, you work in a position long enough, you get recognized, you get promoted, you get promoted, you get promoted, like almost as this kind of like- Never heard of that. Yeah, it's like this idea of this kind of- um like ceilingless, I guess, as opposed to bottomless, like ceilingless possibility yeah. for your growth. And, you know, eventually sometimes people leave, but it's like this kind of idea of dedication. And um, I think when coming to higher ed, it definitely was a, like, that lesson that I learned in the sense of yeah. like, oh, promotions within a role or a department were rare. Well, yeah, because it's so weird because you can work in a functional area but if you want to get promoted in that functional area, so like we both worked as academic advisors. Yeah. For us, moving up might have looked like being the assistant director or you're actually senior advisor and then assistant director and yeah. director. But you deal with the challenges of people not wanting to leave A yep. and being comfortable. And B, there is no real like option for you there's no backup plan because no, you can't, you, you can't like either they make another position for you, I guess, which is, I don't even know how that works. Yeah. But literally when you don't know where else to go in your department, your only option is to leave. Even if that's like leaving your department for another one in the same school or university or leaving that university and school completely. But yeah, I don't know any job that I've started where I knew like, it would, I knew it would be, I knew it would be possible but there was never like a plan in place. Like I, I did not enter any job knowing like, okay, after this, I can do this. And I think like, yeah. that's the hard part is like these roles that people start out with in higher end student affairs, like assuming they're entry level roles, like, yeah, like you can generally apply your experience like as an academic advisor to like working with student orgs because you can translate like the idea of advising academic policies to advising like university-wide policies or funding policies and like dealing with like um like uh like when folks don't agree with each other I don't know what that's called but like (laughs) you know like you you you, you deal with that yes conflict resolution see daylight (laughs) savings time for um but yeah like you can transfer all that stuff over um, but like, it's really hard to like, if you want to grow like afterwards, like if you want to grow within a department, because it's weird. Cause there, there's this idea of like higher ed does not value job hopping. At least I don't think it does. Maybe it's starting to get a little more comfortable with that, but I don't think they value job hopping. So if you don't value job hopping, then what are you doing to Well, but like provide... it promotes it though, right? Like I feel yeah. like it's oh, interesting yeah. it, when it, you it say like it, does. it doesn't value it, but then it's also kind of like this like yeah promotion of it where it's like I like I think I feel like I mentioned it before, maybe not like the idea when I had like a supervisor who legit told yeah. me like, oh, we we anticipate people are only in this role to go to to get the graduate school or the schooling benefit. And then we yep. assume they're gonna leave. 
And I was like, wait, so then there's like no growth opportunity. Yeah, which I was like, that's not me. Like, I thought I could like, yes, I want my degree, but I I would like to grow in a position that I'm in. Yeah, yeah. And what are you supposed to do? Like stay in the same one their entire life? Like, I know people that have done that. Yeah. And I know they're more than capable. They were more than capable at the time of probably assuming a, a higher leadership role. But I think that's the one thing that I've noticed is the biggest difference from corporate to higher ed is like, we're talking about succession planning in corporate. Do you know what succession planning is? Ooh, I, I, I'm going to say no. Succession? I feel like I've heard of it and I do, but like not. You might have. But like also. It's very, I feel it's like, very taboo in higher yeah, ed. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, considering a majority of my career was in higher ed. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's a myth. It's a white whale. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll preface by saying like higher ed, depending on the school you work at or university you work at, like there are programs in place sometimes by like your human resources department that promote like leadership development or like developing management skills if you want to be a manager. Yeah. But from what I've noticed, those programs don't like say, okay, like here's where you can expect to be next based on what you're doing now. Yeah. And what in corporate in my, the area that I work in, um, working in diversity, equity, and inclusion, like one of the things we're focused on is creating more diverse leaders and and bringing them into those spaces where they are a leader or they're a senior leader or they're a manager and the way they do that is through succession planning (laughs) and succession planning is basically like connecting a high potential employee or associate with a program to help accelerate their skills to be a manager basically and so wait what you mean valuing them instead of like yeah, it's called retention. Like uh, criticizing them and and making yep. them feel less than for challenging things. Wait, what? Yep. yep. Like they they identify high potential associates and employees, and then they yeah. recommend them for programs. Sometimes they're even programs based on their ethnicity or race to help network with other people who are kind of on the same track as you of of wanting to have a higher leadership position. And then Sign they connect. Me up. And then they connect you with other current senior leaders, VPs, um, they call them like sponsors in some cases, they sponsor like your growth and development in a way. Um, And so, yeah, they have those programs set in place and they basically like will identify what type of role or position you might go in next based on where you're in now. No, I think, well, that it's not, it's logical. It makes sense. Yeah, it's, you know, in order to retain your best talent, you need to invest in your best talent, and yeah. in order to to see productivity in your in your company or organization, you know, you you want to kind of invest in individuals yeah. that are going to kind of thrive and continue to grow. Exactly, like it all makes sense, but like it's such a foreign concept, and what, make, it, what makes what makes me weird. sad, like it makes me sad that like we get stories right and um, yeah so many people and even on, on some of our guests sharing similar experiences where it's like it's not only validating for me but like I feel like it is also sad because it's to realize that it wasn't just my experience in which I felt that oh, like yeah. I was kind of continually penalized uh, yes where I was continually penalized for like a lot of my I, I attempts of just being me and wanting to be the best employee and like being your authentic self. Yes. Wow. Being like, punished for that. Right. Like and genuinely being interested in, in, in my job and, and wanting to like 
grow and see people be successful, right? Like the the idea that that was such a a con continuously um, was mind boggling. And, but like hearing that so many other people were in the similar positions. Yeah. And like, I just don't understand why there isn't more things like that in place. Like from my experience, like, and I resonate with everything Jen said. Yeah. um, because that is my story, just different time frame. <laughs> but yeah. what I don't, what I don't understand is like, okay, you have like high potential employees that work in your department, and you know that they could do great work and they could bring great change and impact your students. Your students yeah. love them. Like, what more could you want? But what I don't understand, I have a hard time wrapping my head around, is like, how do you create this like momentum where like people are just constantly like leveling up? And like, you have like your directors that stay in their roles for a while. Like, I understand, I understand like, yeah, you, in order for succession planning to work, like there would have to be a somewhere for them, for them to go next. Um, And so like, that's the part that I don't understand is like, why wouldn't we want to create an environment where people can continue to grow, like, and not grow as, and not grow as in tacking on more responsibilities to your job title and getting the same pay, but tacking on responsibilities and having a pay increase that is associated with it 100%. and a title that reflects yes. it too. So like, yeah, because what I went, it's funny. I just totally thought of it right now as you were talking and I forgot about it. I, <laughs> I even brought the, I even brought this up like yeah. in a meeting with my former supervisor, our, our former supervisor. Yeah. Um, Cause he was more yours than mine. I was there for a year. <laughs> you were there for a year. And like, and you were a golden child. So yeah, not yeah. even like having to relate. But like, <laughs> I went to a conference once and there, it was a really good session on, um, I think it was initially supposed to be like women in leadership positions and like higher ed or something, but like, yeah, uh, right. Ever grow, ever growing crystal wanting to learn more. And yeah. like, um, there was an interesting point where two of the presenters actually were at different, worked at different institutions, but they yeah. were former, a former supervisor and colleague. And they had shared the, the, uh, the former supervisor's perspective was that um, they didn't utilize the terminology of like succession planning, but they talked about how they identified early on in this employee yeah. that uh, she was really dedicated and really like, you know, motivated and was eager to learn and really, saw potential in her um, within this field, right? Yes. And within higher ed. And so what she did was like, she kind of would like ask her what her goals were. She would encourage her to think beyond some of those goals. She uh, She's kind of developed a plan for her to kind of take on work. And then she, then like the, the crux of that was then she realized she also talked to her about when she hit the limit at the institution of where she could yeah. go preparing her to go elsewhere and she was saying that in the sense of I wanted I wanted to create an environment or a department in which the people who worked for me were capable of being successful elsewhere because that also helped like that reflects on me and how I am like in preparing them to thrive you know outside as well if we can't do that here and apparently because she had advocated for her a lot and then finally she hit a wall and it was like, and the only other thing was maybe her own position. And she was like, well, obviously I'm still here. So she prepared her to take on a director role somewhere else. And I just thought that was, I was like, what? You can have a relationship with a supervisor like that, that like 
That's support. a fair, right? That's a but fair mentorship, right? That's like fair not, and like adequate mentorship, right? Well, there. Like, like, but not even like mentorship, right? Like the idea yeah. that a supervisor was actually like seeing their employees as people and wanting oh, to invest yeah. in them. So oh, like, yeah. I, 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 that's why I challenged the idea of like that mentorship, because it was just kind of just like being a supervisor that kind of is compassionate and wanting to see that growth and, and, and how it probably benefited not only the employee, but like enriches them and the department and, you know, and, and whatever they're doing. Um, and I think like, that's where it's kind of like, yeah, it applies with um, like Jan and like what we were saying, this idea of where, where is this type of succession planning? Where is this type of a pathway, right, to kind of create these different things and, and prepare for outside, like the idea, like, I would have loved an honest conversation with my supervisor for like, hey, yeah, I you, a lot of what you're doing is beyond this role, and beyond this and what I could advocate for, yeah. I would love to help give you the skill set and, and give you opportunities to kind of be able to that allows you to do more elsewhere, instead of continually push back continually minimizing just yeah. a lot of toxic um you know penalizing for a lot of just like what I was trying to advocate for yeah and so yeah it's kind of a bummer that that doesn't exist more because I felt like compared to a lot of my corporate roles I met so many smart wonderful compassionate skilled people yeah. in higher ed and it always bummed me out to see or hear how long they had been in their roles with no change whatsoever. Yeah. Like not even a title. Like I would, like, I would have been okay being an advisor much longer had the, yeah. had I gotten like a senior advisor title, but yeah, I was told it didn't exist even though two people in the department had that title. So yeah. And I think like, <laughs> and I think like programs like that do exist in higher ed, but I'm not sure how many of them do a good job about like actually connecting yeah. that high potential yeah. employee or high performing employee with like a critical job. If you guys, if anybody, to the university. if anybody out there has like an experience in which maybe like they've engaged in succession planning or like, yeah, in or ed. they've had in higher ed and they've had a leader that yeah. has kind of like assisted them grow within their department or anything that we shared, please like yeah. submit, submit that experience. Cause I would love to share that. Cause uh, yes. I, I don't, I don't want to speak from the place that it doesn't exist because I have heard from other people that it does. And I've seen it when you have good leadership and um, support. So I would love to hear more of those stories too. Like, so we can kind of then share with other people, what are the, what are the things to look for? What are the things to kind of identify in your interview? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a great question to ask. Right. Yeah. I I've, I've always um, encouraged people to negotiate if they can negotiate the number yeah. negotiate non-monetary things and I think this is a great one is like what professional development opportunities do you have in place within the university to help me you know grow here yeah or do you have any pathways in place for pathways, promotion yeah. and success well what does that yeah. look like what 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 do people in this position typically leave for yeah and right? I think we, we, we talked about that with uh, one of our former guests and that's something that really I think needs a lot of attention especially right now when people are there's a max mass exodus of people yeah and like I've only been at this job for a little under three months and we're and like I'm already in conversations about succession planning for myself and I'm like oh my gosh like only been here for three months but it's just (laughs) really wild just to see like how like much that 
value, like how, how that kind of value when it's placed on you really makes you feel like, wow, like they actually like are invested in me and that's what they're doing. They're investing in you. And I think like higher ed starts that conversation, yeah, but they don't follow through with it. And I think like, there are so many great people who are still working in the field. Yeah. Um, Nat was one of our former guests whose episode you might've listened to if you haven't great perspective on a current of a current professional who's still in the field but that's an example of somebody who I yeah. think could truly change a department or programs like cultural landscape. When I say culture, I just mean like how people feel about working there and retaining people. That's what I mean when I say culture and the yeah. attitudes people have. Like, I think they are somebody who could really do that. So now if you're listening to this episode, you are a major change agent. I already said that already. And I already said that I was obsessed with you, but just saying it again <laughs> but yeah like things like that like conversations like that if they're already being had they need to be taken to the next level yeah because I just I find it hard when you are like I find it hard to be okay with losing somebody to go to another school yeah granted like it can be hard to move within higher ed but like wouldn't you want to find a way for them to stay like that was another thing too and when I interviewed for um, the job I have now I didn't interview for the job I have. I interviewed for like a recruiting role and they were like, okay, like when we have like good talent, we don't want to lose them. So we'll find a way, like, we'll find a way to keep you. Yeah. And yeah. like find a way to keep your Very employees higher ed, like find a way to like get, want them, make them want to stay. So oh, I had that in my last role too, after yeah. leaving higher ed, like I, there was something that could come up, which was very stressful. And I yeah. had communicated that I was considering looking elsewhere and my supervisor the one who gave me like who I felt really like modeled for me I think what an exceptional supervisor could be yeah absolutely like talk like had a very adult conversation with me about okay what are the needs that you have like I don't want to lose you like an adult conversation wow yeah but but let's let's wait till you finish the story because I'll tell you what because I had the same conversation and they know this then the, the listeners know this if they've been following me but let's see how yours ended and let's see how mine ended in terms yeah. of response yeah so like it was very much like um like what is it that you need and I was like well I need these boundaries set I need to know that I have support in this role like because it was something about my department that the behavioral health was different from the rest of the organization so I was like, I need clarification of my roles and my responsibilities and like where this, and she was just like, absolutely. She's like, okay, sure. Yeah. Sure thing. Let me go ahead and do this. Do you want me to move you to a different site? Just tell me yes. And I will move you to a different <laughs> site. Like it was, um, it was all of that, like everything she even looked, cause it was initially right after I had started. Um, and I had to, I was getting some work done, um, and so I was worried about insurance. And she's like, I will ask our CEO if we could cover some of that because your I know your insurance hasn't kicked in. Like absolutely yeah. doing everything that she could yes. to uh, uh, alleviate any of my stressors, personal yeah. and like work-related so that yeah. I could feel supported. Yeah. And um, that's, how, that's what a supervisor should do. I felt so seen. I felt so heard. Mm-hmm. I felt so supported. Um, and it was amazing that, to someone like my not to someone my supervisor yeah right actually took the time to hear me and and you know and and it could be right like I and 
I don't want people to chalk it up like, oh, maybe they were like a supervisor in behavioral health. So of course they're a little bit more. And no, I've had a supervisor after the fact that was also behavioral health and they were they can horrible. Be toxic AF. So I'm gonna, totally I'll, horrible. If anything, if anything, they got just they have the skills to manipulate you to the Yeah, they extent. referred to me as like an angry woman of color. And I was oh like, my Yeah. Gosh. So it's not anybody in behavioral health could be like is gonna be all sunshine and roses. But uh-huh. this supervisor, I was everything that I had wished that like Anytime I had, I, I had stressors that were nowhere near like what these were. And I wish that my former supervisor would have been able to have an adult conversation with me and hear me and support me rather yeah. than just kind of like rejecting that and, you know, and kind of putting it back on me. Yeah. So my experience and I am the same while they did try and get me more money, which is basically what I asked for when I said it wasn't enough. And then I also said that, like, why are you paying this person more than me with less experience, blah, blah, blah. They decided to gaslight me. (laughs) And so Mm. that's the difference between your experience and my experience. And I think like your experience is the experience that everybody should have where, okay, we've exhausted all of our options and, you know, this is the best we can do for you. And had they said that, or maybe even like negotiated something else with me, like, this, the the story yeah different like maybe oh yeah well it's funny because even with all that support I still said actually I want to try to figure this out on my own give me yeah. about another week and I'm going to try something different and I'll figure it out and then if I need any of these other options I'll let you know because like and then like because it's true like I think she got like a no on like some, like trying to get extra funds yeah, for like insurance okay. or something but yeah. I was okay because a she tried B, she didn't even have to go to move the, you know, the ends of the earth to me, for me. Yeah. Um, I was, I was able to figure it out. And then, and then she kind of like complimented me on that. She was like, wow, I can really see how that was stressful for you. And you were able to really like apply some skill sets and, and like, how was that for you? And I was like, oh, I, I got to process it with her in a sense and like tell her what I learned and then be able to, she's like, great. I, I see that from you. I see the skill set. Like, I'm really excited to see you kind of like move up in leadership because I feel like you could really apply this and, and help with the culture. Like it, it turned into this great conversation in which kind of being a little bit more vulnerable yeah. with her was a, was a benefit and not a con. Oh it gosh. wasn't, it wasn't thrown back in my face. And I, you know I, what? <laughs> like, and I probably still wouldn't have left had I had the same outcome as you, but like, I probably wouldn't have had as much like spite as I have now. And like, yeah, just, just, just like overall disgust. Like, and that's why, like, and maybe, you know, like I said, like I said before, like it happens for a reason and yeah, maybe yeah. I was meant to talk to you all about how toxic high red is, but like if more people have the same experience as you, I think things would be a lot different. And granted, like there are other systemic things about higher ed that are outside of your, your control and my control, like salary, but attitudes about the field would be significantly different in my opinion if leaders were a bit more supportive of your growth and yeah. going, going out of their way to make sure that you can have you can have a position that will challenge you and allow you to grow or making yeah. sure that they are prepared making sure that they're preparing you for a position at another school that will help you grow yeah yeah and so like it's just amazing to me how we've been able to have such positive experiences outside of higher ed <laughs> and like they happened like like that like I exactly because they, they happened right away like yeah 
And we've already been able to see the difference. Like I've been here for three months and like we talked, we just talked about succession planning and like never heard of that before. Yeah. You, when you left your prior job, like you're talking about how a positive experience it was for you because you didn't have to be, you weren't met with like, you know, this animosity or mm-hmm. these feelings of belittlement or anything like you were met with like, okay, I'm going to go above and beyond for you and see what I can do. So acceptance, I think that, yeah. and I think that's a huge thing too, because it's like, right. Like I, like, I, like, I didn't leave because of the money, right? Yeah. Like granted. Yeah. Should I have been paid a lot more? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, compared to a lot of other universities that role I, and, and my tenure, I was not paid enough, but Yep. I, I ultimately didn't leave because of that. Like I would have stayed because I really loved what I did so much. And I think it's important because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that might also resonate with that where it's like, no, yeah. I understand. Like I, I do the job because I love or the department that I work with or the people. Um, but I think it's important. And I say that it's a, it's a, it's a, that's a big, but because it's important to also recognize, which is, I think another aspect of what we're trying to um, discuss here in an open yeah. and safe environment is yeah. identifying sometimes the more toxic attributes of the culture or the environment that serve to really hinder your growth or or inflict more trauma um, on you. And I think learning about how to identify those and the impact could really yeah. allow you to learn how to either correct it, um, heal, seek help, um, and kind of develop a plan that is beneficial for you and your overall, you know, health, um, yep. you know? Yeah. And, and I think it takes so much time and energy to do what Jan did and to do what so many other people yeah. have done and, and reinvest yourself into finding another job Ooh. in higher ed, Yeah, you know, only to kind of be met with the same feelings potentially, like, yeah. Jan didn't necessarily explain um, why they left. I can only imagine in part it had to do with feeling under-respected or, and being under-respected potentially for the work. I guess that that's what doing. she says, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so obviously like that's kind of like this cyclical thing that repeats. <laughs> like and that's kind of like where I was. It was like, okay, like I'm being met with this situation again where I, I want to make more money. And that's not necessarily a toxic situation, but it's just those feelings of, okay, like not fulfilled yet again, where do I go next? And so it's just this, like, yeah, it's just this weird repetitive process that I can only imagine how many people have had to go through, um, to get to where they are now, if they're still working in higher ed. But I also Mm -hmm. really appreciate that Jan took the leap to start their own business and, and, uh, and start their own business that that connects with what they're passionate about, what they value. And I think it's really affirming to hear that there are folks out there maybe who have these side projects or these side passions that maybe they're not able to pursue full time because of their work in higher ed or whatever job they have. I think it's really affirming to know that like you can actually like pursue your dreams quite literally. And that's something (laughs) that I've always been scared to do go get Um, your dreams yeah (laughs) I think I'm living my dreams right now but it's really just inspiring to hear people just like do their own thing and not have like not look for another job because they created it for themselves lots of people have started their you know our own consulting businesses like Jan has and so it's just really cool that people are able to kind of tap into their fullest potential and seek that self-employment route um 
And I just, like I said, like, I just think it's really, um, really inspiring and just overall, like really amazing just to see that come to fruition. So Jan, if you are listening, we are inspired by you and we are glad that you were able to find the route that worked best for you. And that allows you to continue on your healing journey as many of us are still on right now, or some of us may still be recovering from, or like, you know, towards the end of our healing journey. Um, But yeah, any other final thoughts on this story? I know just, I guess kind of just like, right. Just like a plant and potential. We love that growth. Yeah. We love the growth. This was a really fun story to unpack and just to remind, to remind ourselves why we chose to leave. Yeah. And if you're in that position where you're not sure where you want to go, maybe this can be a source of motivation for you. Or if you heard what Crystal and I were talking about, about how higher ed can do another, take another route or invest in what they already have. To You've keep had that employees. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, use that as a motivator for you to like persist in your job too. Yeah. Or create it. If you're in a, in a place of leadership, yeah, like your job, <laughs> right. Like creating, like creating an environment where your employees can, you know, thrive and be seen. Yeah. Um, I think like, I'm sure we all have those supervisors that have kind of just said, right. Like they can't do anything. It's out of their hands, et cetera, et cetera. Now, in some cases, that's absolutely true. In other yeah. cases, it's just, it's an easy scapegoat, but um, it's like, okay, well, maybe looking at hearing this and thinking like, okay, the sign of a good, like a healthy environment or even a healthy ask to, of your supervisor would be, well, what are some workarounds outside of salary that we can do to kind of, in, you know, improve the role and improve my experience and kind of promote growth for me. So I could seek that, right? Like, okay, if we can't pay you, like what, what are other opportunities that you could do? But yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great end to this. And I hope, like I said, I hope that this inspires people no matter what route they're in in their journey to pick a lane and to see where that takes them. Absolutely. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. And you can stay connected with us on Instagram by following at Surviving Higher Ed. Bye. Bye.